0: The swamp unites to send 40 billion more dollars to Ukraine. The new White House press secretary thinks the 2018 Georgia governor election was stolen from Stacey Abrams. And the left really, really wants you to believe that the potential overturning of Roe vs. Wade means Republicans want to roll back gay rights, but they're wrong. This is Can't Cancel Rob Smith. What's going on, Problematics? I am back. This is episode two of the new and improved podcast, Can't Cancel Rob Smith. So let's get right into it when it comes to Ukraine. Okay. So if you guys follow me on Twitter, if you see me on social media or whatever, you know what I think about the war in Ukraine, about what is happening right now. Um, I have been very much anti this for a really long time and and so let me tell you why i feel the way that i do about this war in ukraine it has been absolutely endless remember um we're going into i i believe month two of this remember When this war in Ukraine first started, you heard or saw nothing else in the mainstream media. You heard or saw nothing else on cable news. You heard all of the dingbat celebrities talking about it. It became the new current thing that we were all supposed to be obsessed with. And mind you, this war in Ukraine is something that happened right as the vaccine mandates and all the vaccine hysteria sort of wore off. So there is this idea right now that, and this is what I truly believe, that the Biden administration is hopping from... Thing to thing to thing to thing to thing from distraction to distraction to distraction in order to distract you from exactly what is going on in this country right now. If you are paying attention, you know what's going on, so you don't need me to tell it to you again. So that is what I believe. All of a sudden we we're in this war with ukraine right all of a sudden um russia invaded ukraine and all of a sudden this becomes america's problem why i'm still not entirely sure um and if somebody is a ukraine expert please let me know why we have sent billions and billions and billions of dollars into ukraine although i have a couple of uh ideas myself now look i've been very critical of this from the the beginning and when you are a media personality like I am, and you know I do all the major networks, I'm not going to name any of them out you know, by name. You guys have seen me around, you know I do all the networks. And it seems to me, and this is why you've never seen me on any of the networks talking about this, because I do believe 100% that American boots should not be on the ground in this war. And with every single move that this administration makes, with every single move that the war hawks and the war machine, which is bipartisan, by the way, coming out of Washington, D.C., with every move that they make, it seems that we are moving closer and closer and closer to more American involvement in this war with Ukraine, right? And so I've always been against that. I am a U.S. Army veteran. I, are, I, I served in the Iraq War, which I will believe until the end of time it was a fake war that was rushed into by a lot of people who had a lot of financial motivation for us to be in that war. So I I I'll, I'll never forgive, you know, the Bush and Cheney crowd uh, for what they did and it really strikes me as insane that now Nicole Wallace and, and and Schmidt and the people that were like the architects of that fake war are now resistance warriors on MSNBC. It's crazy. But anyway, I am very anti any American troop involvement in this war. Um, I, I think that it is. It will be an absolute disaster if it happened. And I said this at the very beginning when I got got booked on the shows. I said I am very anti this. I am very curious about where the push is this for this is coming from. I'm very curious of the bipartisan war machine that seems to very very badly want. United States troops to be involved in the war in Ukraine. Remember um, Adam Kinzinger running around talking about a no-fly zone, and people, even Maria Elvira Salazar, who's a Republican Congresswoman that I like, was running around talking about no-fly zones and not really, you know, knowing, it, it, being real about what that meant, right? So there's a lot of people that are pushing for this. And, and so look, when you're seeing Ukraine flags everywhere, when you're when you can't open up your Uber app without seeing a way in in which you can donate to Ukraine, that means that the war machine in DC and the war machine in mainstream media is in lockstep on everything, right? And there only seems to be one direction that this conversation is allowed to go, and that is when my spidey sense starts tingling. That is when the natural skeptic in me wonders what exactly is going on here, and what exactly is going on here is that billions of dollars Are being sent to ukraine billions of dollars that apparently nobody can account for nobody really knows where it's going and there just always seems to be this push for more and more money now mind you the goal in the way that ukraine was spoken of before all of this stuff happened and i dug up this new york times piece on ukraine this was from Early 2016, I'm going to read it to you verbatim, and it said this, Corruption has been pervasive in Ukraine since independence, fed by close-knit ties between politicians and oligarchs in a weak justice system. Right? This is you know, back when the New York Times was able to say this about Ukraine. They can't say this anymore because now Zelensky is an American hero and, and all of this other stuff. And from the same article, Vice President uh, then Vice President Biden said corruption was eating Ukraine, quote, like a cancer in 2015. My, how the tables have turned to where literally seven years later, we do not even blink at sending billions of dollars to Ukraine. Now, this is the latest news on the amount of money that has been, been sent to Ukraine. Congress has already approved $13.6 billion to the Ukraine, and Biden just said that they're out of money. Now, they are reaching a deal, mind you. This is from Axios, on a nearly $40 billion Ukraine package. So they have already sent $13.6 billion to the Ukraine. They have already funded their military to the tunes of hundreds of millions of dollars. And now, Republicans and Democrats in Washington D.C. in the swamp are coming together to approve a bipartisan package of 40 billion more dollars. And they do all of this while there is a baby formula shortage in the United States where mothers cannot find baby formula for their children. This is a very real thing that is happening right now. While there is an inflation crisis, while gas is hitting all-time highs, while yours and my groceries get more expensive. I tweeted something out today that was retweeted by Ann Coulter. Ann Coulter and I have met one time, and I told her that her book, Adios America, is a book that red-pilled me. It is a book that made me conservative, especially when it comes to illegal immigration. If you have not read this book, it is one of the most compelling and important books you will ever read. That book came out, I believe, in 2013 or 2014, and it's still relevant to this day. But this is what I tweeted out, because Kazan follows me, and she she retweeted this. She elevated this. Democrats and Republicans just agreed to send $40 billion to the Ukraine. The swamp is united in Washington, D.C. While they distract you with arguments about abortion and pronouns, their grift never stops. Wake up. Wake up, people. Wake up. There is, and I've spoken about this before on the podcast, there is a uniparty in Washington, D.C., and I think that some people that are really not entrenched in terms of how D.C. actually works. People that really do not know how the swamp actually works do not realize how buddy-buddy Democrats and Republicans really are in Washington, D.C., especially those that are in power, especially those that hold elected office, right? And so there's this concept of a uniparty, and the uniparty states that both Democrats and Republicans are going to do whatever they need to do because the swamp is corrupt. And so these billions and billions of dollars that they continue to approve to go to the Ukraine, that that there is no oversight to this money, we are just being told that there's not enough they they need more they need more they need more to fight evil vladimir putin and look i am not some putin apologist i'm not advocating for russia anything like that uh, i think that's a very complicated situation that's going on over there right now but the idea that we somehow have unlimited amounts of taxpayer money by the way to just send to the ukraine while at the same time we know that it's corrupt over there while at the same time we know that there are big issues with corruption. It's like it is this revolving door. It's like a money laundering operation. And it makes me sick to even think about it. That all of these politicians in Washington, D.C. right now are voting to send yours and my tax dollars over there. That's why taxation is theft. That's why I make sure That as a a small business owner, because I own everything that I do, that I want to pay as little in taxes that I humanly possibly can because I know it's gonna go to crap like that. And they do this while Americans are struggling. They do this while Americans are hurting. They do this while, by the way, just a couple of years ago, that they said that a couple of billion dollars to build a border wall was too much money. But yet we send tens of billions of dollars over to the Ukraine while America is hurting. And like I said at the end of that tweet, if you are still, and this is why conservatives get get mad at me, this is why, you know, I get called, oh, you're not a Republican, you're not this, you're not that. And I, you know, I talk about the issues that are going on because this is my job, and this is what I do. But if you are still caught up and very deeply caught up in this left versus right sort of binary. Uh, where you're arguing about these whatever social issue that um, the powers that be want you to be arguing about every week to to distract you from the grift that they're running on the American public, you need to wake up. Because this is theft. It is ridiculous. And I can't believe that people on the left and right, I was going to play you a clip of Mitch McConnell talking about the money that they're going to send over there but that man disgust like he disgusts me. I don't even want his voice on this podcast. That's how much he disgusts me. So if you have not woken up to the fact that people on both sides of the aisle in Washington DC are running a grift on the American people and using your tax dollars to basically launder money up through the Ukraine so they can wind up back in their pockets then you're not paying attention and you don't know how this works. And that's, how, that's all I have to say about that, the the fact that we are sp- sending tens of billions of dollars to the Ukraine while we have Americans hurting right here, it disgusts me. And it should disgust you too. Next up, the new White House press secretary is already cor- corrupt and compromised, but you'll likely hear nothing about it from the mainstream media. I will tell you how and why right after the break. Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, problematics. If you have not heard, there's going to be a new White House press secretary. That means that we're going to have to look at Jen Psaki anymore. The new White House press secretary's name is Corinne Jean-Pierre. Now, you know, if you're not very deep into the political world, if you're not really deep into, you know, who this person is and what they've done, um, you probably won't know who they are, right? Because this is somebody who is pretty much your sort of mainstream, sort of like one of the mill Democratic operative, right? So she was a spokesperson for MoveOn.org, she was a Biden campaign advisor, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the swamp creatures. That you see once they make it to the national stage, kind of like on this level, they've been playing around in the swamp for, for decades at this point. And the left is really, really excited about her because Corinne Jean Pierre happens to be a black lesbian, or, in their words, a member of the LGBTQIAK community. Although most same people, including myself, don't really know what that is. I, you know, she's a member of the Alphabet Mafia, and this makes the uh, the powers that be on the left. And this makes them very excited about her because you you realize that they're all about identities here. In fact. You know, I I played you guys a little segment from The View on uh, yesterday's episode where they were arguing about black Republicans, and then uh, the fake conservative Ann Arvaro goes, this is not about arguing about Republicans. We are celebrating the historic appointment of Corinne Jean-Pierre, who is going to be the first black and LGBTQ person that is White House press secretary, right? And so that's why they're very excited about her. And I don't really care about that that's the whole thing. I, I I do not care about what her identity is. I do not care about any of this other stuff. What I care about is the fact that this person is unbelievably compromised. This person is, is this is crazy. And I'm going to bring up some of this stuff because you're not going to hear about any of this from the mainstream media. The mainstream media will not say a thing about this because when you are a black person, and you are a member of the LGBTQIAK++ whatever community, and you use your public platform to advance leftism and to advocate for Democrats, you will be completely and 100% protected. So you're not going to hear about any of this stuff from the mainstream media. First of all, she's in a relationship with a CNN anchor named Suzanne Suzanne Malvo. Nobody cares that she's a lesbian. Nobody cares that she's in a relationship with this woman. Nobody cares that they have a kid, whatever. What people care, what people should care about, is the fact that she is mar- She is in a partnership. I really. believe she's married to a woman that is an anchor on CNN. Remember, CNN is supposed to be the most trusted name in news. You are supposed to trust and believe that these people in the mainstream media do not have a far left-wing bias, Right? And there's this whole thing about this incestuousness between the Biden administration and the mainstream media that, like I said, continues to promise you that they are not biased at all. And I came across a really, really interesting article on a website called um, And I'm not doing promo for MediaEye. This is just a website that I go to, have a lot of great cable news clips, a lot of great sort of media and political analysis. I, I, it's a, It's a great site. And so th- this article is called The Cable News White House Pipeline Was a BFD, Big Effing Deal, Under Trump, Why Isn't it Under Biden? And this is a very, very interesting paragraph because this is talking about sort of the revolving door. And now, granted, there are a lot of people that had, you know, some very legitimate criticism. Um, between you know how close the Fox News was to the Trump administration and all of that stuff, so fine, whatever. But this is very interesting, and I want to read you this uh, this article from the this little piece from Mediite. A cursory look at senior level officials at the Biden White House looks a lot like the CNN contributor page from the last administration. There is Tony Blinken who served as a global affairs analyst for CNN and is now currently the Biden administration secretary of state. Jennifer Granholm, a former CNN contributor, is now serving as Secretary of Energy. Um, Sam Vinograd, a former CNN national security analyst, announced she will serve as a Department of Homeland Security senior counselor. Susan Hennessy, a former CNN global affairs analyst, will serve as senior counsel for the department's national security division. Thomas Nides was tapped to be ambassador to Israel. His wife, Virginia Mosley, is the senior vice president of news gathering at CNN. So, folks... When people talk about this pipeline between the Biden administration and the you know cable news world, this is what they're talking about, right? And so when it comes to Corinne Jean Pierre, uh, you know this woman is married to a CNN anchor. You know, and, and and I will leave it to you to decide what sort of conflicts of interest are are there. But wait, there is more because she is an election denier. Yes. She said that the 2016 election was stolen. Not only that, but that the 2018 gubernatorial election in Georgia where Stacey Abrams was defeated. By the way, has Stacey Abrams conceded that election yet? Um, She also said that that election was stolen. This is what she tweeted. Um, in December on December 17, 2016, she tweeted, stolen emails, stolen drones, stolen election. Welcome to the world of hashtag unprecedented Trump. So it is okay for Corinne Jean-Pierre to question the outcome of a US election. It is okay for her to say that there is Russian interference and that the election was stolen. But if you or I even breathe the kernel of an idea that anything that was happening in the 2020 election was maybe toward, right? Maybe that there was a little funny business going on with that election. Oh, you are an, an insurrectionist. You are an election denier. Because Joe Biden got 81 million, but because Joe Biden got more votes than any other presidential candidate in American history, yes. And if you do not recite that talking point, and if you do not believe that, well, then you're no better than an insurrectionist. This is this is what they say. So not only that, she also repeated the idea that Brian Kemp stole the election from Stacey Abrams in Georgia. This is what she said. Reminder, this was a tweet from April of 2020. Reminder, Brian Kemp stole the gubernatorial election from Georgians and Stacey Abrams. And so this is the thing. I am not surprised that they have hired basically a dim operative hack that has engaged in every bit of leftist paranoia and propaganda that the party has put their stamp on over the past decade. I'm not surprised about that, right? What annoys me is how any sort of criticism of this person is going to be covered because she is a black lesbian. The part of this that I'm dreading is the race crap they're going to be feeding to the media when the lone reporter who is going to challenge her is going to be Peter Ducey from from Fox. Because if you've been watching this stuff for the past year and a half, you know that there are. I mean, these these people are, are have been giving Jinsaki like, tongue baths in the the White House press briefing room for the past year and a half. The only person who ever challenges her is Peter Ducey from Fox, and that means that he's the only person that actually asks any real questions. So now, they're going to bring up the race stuff as soon as they have some sort of... um some sort of back and forth that gets a little edgy or a little confrontational, whatever. She's going to be the poor little black girl that's standing up to big, bad, racist Fox News. And that is how they are going to cover any of her shortcomings in this job, which is, by the way, a tough gig. And the gig of the White House press secretary is to, I think, and I said this to uh, Sean Spicer once mean, he got pissed off at me? Um, the job of the White House press secretary is to lie to the faces of reporters in the American public. Their job is to spin. Their job is to lie. Their job is to obfuscate. And it doesn't matter whether there's a Republican or a Democrat in the White House. That is the job. And if she is not good enough at that job and she gets challenged or she gets caught in a lie or she's just not good at it, they're going to fall back on the poor little white girl standing up, or excuse me, poor little black girl standing up to racist reporter, racist Fox reporter trope. It's all so predictable. You can literally just puke. And I'm going to do that right now during the break. But next up, the pending Roe versus Wade decision has far left LGBT advocates quaking in fear that gay rights will be next on the chopping block. That is completely absurd. I'm going to tell you why after the break. Alright, folks last episode i told you all about the draft opinion that leaked that may possibly overturn roe versus wade i'm not going to get into all of that you know you know how i feel about abortion and all that other stuff if you do not know please you know download the previous episode i went into all of that but now here's the thing about how all of this stuff is happening and mind you again that this draft opinion leaked right as there was going to be there was a drop of all of this data from the uh, all of this data from the COVID nineteen vaccine, and this you know this led to Johnson and Johnson saying that there's an issue with you know some of their vaccines, and there's an alert because of heart problems and all this other stuff. But it's okay, whatever. Distraction, distraction. This sort of leaking of the draft opinion for the Supreme Court decision that is likely to overturn Roe versus Wade is a gift to the left. Because now it allows them to rally all their little victim groups so that they can pretend they're under attack because you never know what's next, right? This is, what, this is how the left owns their victim groups. This is how people like me were kept on the left, were kept as Democrats for so long because what they're really good at. And, and what they've really gone a hundred percent into over the past decade is that we're gonna find all these little victim groups, whether there's gay people, whether there's black people, whether there's Asian, whether there's Hispanics, whether there're Muslims, whether whatever. We're gonna find all these little victim groups. and we're gonna say these Republicans are white, racist and evil and homophobic and sexist and all these different things. And if you do not keep us as Democrats in power, then all of the rights that you have gotten, are going to be eroded, right? So this is how they keep their victim groups voting for Democrats forever. And so if you're somebody that's in, if you're somebody that's in one of the victim groups and you should be a traditional Democrat like myself, and and I'm not, um, I'll never vote for a Democrat ever again. I just will never vote for a Democrat again in my life because I know what the game is, right? So that'll never happen again. Doesn't mean that I'm always gonna vote for Republicans because a lot of these people are full of it as well. But here's the thing. This is how they keep their little victim groups in line. So Lori Lightfoot is the lesbian mayor of Chicago whose only claim to fame is that she is a complete disaster. She is one of the worst mayors of any major city, if not the worst, that exists in America right now. Chicago is a crime-ridden cesspool. Um, Dozens of people are shot and or killed every single weekend in Chicago. The majority of these people are African Americans. It is not safe in Chicago. So now, for some reason, she has waded into this argument because something like this that is is happening, sort of this gift to the left of this leaking of the the draft decision to possibly overturn Roe versus Wade that is supposed to energize the left-wing and Democratic base, this is a gift to failing politicians like Lori Lightfoot. This is a gift because now... She can distract everybody from her utter failures, and now she can rally the troops. And this is what she said on Twitter. For some reason, she's waiting in this argument, attempting to turn herself into like the the Rosa Parks of failing black lesbian mayors. This is what she tweeted. To my friends in the LGBTQ plus community, the Supreme Court is coming for us next. This moment has to be a call to arms. So, of course, this is the idea that since the Supreme Court, as it stands right now, if this does not change, is anti-abortion on demand, then it must be moving to do away with gay marriage and protections for gays and lesbians in America. This is an easy argument for pea brains on the left to make. It is, very, it is a very easy argument for the very, very small minds on the left to make. And it's an easy argument for them to make because they know that the vast majority of the people that they spend a lot of their time keeping in absolute fear that if they do not vote in lockstep for Democrats for the rest of their lives, then they are going to somehow cease to exist, that their rights are going to go back, whatever, right? This is a very easy argument, but it's a ridiculous argument um, in this case. And I'm going to give you a couple of reasons why. So I was doing some some when I do the research for these podcasts I do a lot of googling and you'd be absent you would be shocked at so I was googling I was just you know Supreme Court precedent LGBTq whatever I come across dozens and dozens and dozens of arguments based on absolutely nothing literally this is how fake news works folks these Activist journalists, quote unquote, that say they're writing for NBCNews.com, they're going into an article with the idea that the Supreme Court overturning Roe v.ersus Wade means that they're coming for gay marriage next. And so, what they do is they will call left wing activists for comment, and then of course the left wing activists that are working for GLAD or HRC or any of these these organizations will say, "Well, this is absolutely going to happen." So it's like confirmation bias. And they wouldn't reach out to any conservatives. They would, they certainly wouldn't dare to do any sort of due diligence themselves. But I came across this article that that's the most thought-out um article that I've seen about this. This is from David French at The Atlantic, conservative writer. Um it literally is called Why Justice Alito's Draft Opinion in Dobbs Doesn't Threaten Gay Marriage. And I want to read you what I think is one of the most important paragraphs from this in fact combine the potential dobbs opinion with the reality that many red state legislatures seem to be competing with one another in their eagerness to wage the culture war and isn't a renewed challenge to gay marriage all but inevitable a challenge may be imminent but i believe the challenge will fail in large part because of the draft dobbs opinion itself In the opinion, Alito went out of his way to distinguish prior 14th Amendment cases such as Obergfell from Roe. And Obergfell, mind you, that was the ruling that made um, gay marriage, marriage equality, whatever you want to call it, the law of the land. He was quite explicit. Page 32 of the draft opinion contains this key paragraph, and this is key. What sharply distinguishes the abortion right from the rights recognized in the cases on which Roe and Casey rely, is something that both those decisions acknowledged. Abortion destroys what those decisions call potential life, and what the law at issue in this case regards as the life of a, quote, unborn human being. None of the other decisions cited by Roe and Casey involve the critical moral question posed by abortion. They are, therefore, an opposite. They do not support the right to obtain an abortion, and by the same token, our conclusion that the Constitution does not confer such a right does not undermine them in any way. So this is Alito basically saying that this decision has nothing to do with any other decisions that have been made by this court. This is what he's saying. And this is this is French right here. Although Roe and Casey didn't rely on a Bergfell, they were decided years before, Alito specifically referenced a Bergfell in the preceding paragraph, and the cases Alito is referring to form the legal foundation of a Bergfell. It is clearly encompassed by the reasoning above. So that is one reason, and this is taken directly from the draft opinion that leaked, and, and by the way, has been verified. This is one reason why the supreme court is likely to unlikely to strike down gay marriage marriage equality whatever you want to call it and there's another reason that again a lot of the drama queens that are hemming and hawing about this didn't bother to look up there was a landmark lgbt rights decision that happened literally in the summer of 2020. This is just last year. And the majority opinion was written by a Trump-appointed conservative justice named Neil Gorsuch. And I'm going to read this to you from the New York Times piece that announced this. Justice Gorsuch, Led a six to three majority in declaring that gay and transgender workers are protected by Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which prohibits discrimination based on race, religion, national origin, and sex. His ruling was joined not by his usual conservative allies, but by the court's four liberals and Chief Justice John G. Roberts. If you know anything about Chief Justice John G. Roberts, he goes either way, right? He was he was a conservative appointment, but he has ruled with liberals before. And this is what he wrote for the majority opinion. In Title VII, Congress adopted broad language making it illegal for an employer to rely on an employee's sex when deciding to fire that employee. We do not hesitate to recognize today a necessary consequence of that legislative choice. An employer who fires an individual merely for being gay or transgender defies the law. So you've got two things right there. You've got, first of all, the majority opinion in this draft decision that was written by Alito, basically explicitly saying that this is about this opinion and nothing else. And then you have a Trump-appointed conservative justice who wrote the majority opinion on the probably biggest landmark piece of LGBT rights legislation in this country to come since the marriage equality ruling. So even though there is a conservative majority on the Supreme Court, is there going to be a challenge to marriage equality? It's very likely that there, that there will be. It's also very unlikely that the Supreme Court will strike that down. And so anybody that wants you to believe this, anybody that wants you to believe that it is only a matter of time that conservatives strike down marriage equality, is only a matter of time that the conservative majority on the supreme court sort of rolls back um lgbt rights is not paying attention to number 1 the draft opinion itself in its words not how people have spun this draft opinion not how people want to use it to to promote their ends but in the actual draft opinion itself so they have to ignore that and they also have to ignore the fact that A Trump-appointed, a Trump-appointed conservative justice wrote the majority opinion in one of the most landmark cases for LGBT rights that has come since the marriage equality ruling, and this happened in 2020. While in June of 2020, while Trump was still president, so anybody that's telling you that if you're one of my gay and lesbian problematics, anybody that is telling you that this abortion ruling has anything to do with gays and lesbians is lying to you because they want you to be afraid. And they want you to be so afraid that the only thing that you can think to do is put more Democrats in power. Vote whichever way you want, whether you're liberal or conservative or independent or whatever. Like I have problematics that are all sides of the political spectrum, right? Don't let these people lie to you. And furthermore, do not let these people lie to you in order to keep you in fear. Because your fear is what keeps these people in power. And never forget that. Before we go, I want to thank my fellow problematics so much for listening. If you're enjoying Can't Cancel Rob Smith, please, guys, leave us a review and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. You can also find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Rob Smith Online. And make sure you listen to Can't Cancel Rob Smith on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.